Hello, and welcome back to the Doxology Podcast. As always, I'm Lucas Stock. And I'm always Jens Nelson. Usually. <laughs> this is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life, striving for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. On today's Christians of History episode, we are uh, back at it with the Friday uh, biography episodes that we, uh, you know, have already sort of this past Tuesday reintroduced. So go check out our episode on the Cappadocian Fathers if you have not uh, heard it yet. I think it was pretty cool. I think they're pretty cool. And I think Christians of History is pretty cool. And I'm excited for these next few weeks. We'll see how long, you know, it won't be forever, but at least for a few weeks. Um, We're going to kind of put the spotlight on our own tradition a little bit. So today, Gen Z boy here is going to share a little bit about a significant Baptist from history that I don't know a ton about. And I really only even know his name relatively recently. So I'm definitely excited to kind of dive in. So why don't you go ahead and take it away? Yeah. Well, as, as Lucas said, uh, we're, we're diving into the world of, of Baptists. And uh, maybe a big chunk of our listenership is Anglican. Uh, so maybe this will be a fun little introduction into a world that maybe you know a lot about, maybe you don't. Uh, but we're, we're going to be talking about a man named Benjamin Keach, who I think if you've ever heard of Benjamin Keach, you've probably heard of uh, a catechism attributed to him known as Keach's Catechism. Uh, but he was born in 1640, and he lived until 1704. He was what we call a particular Baptist as opposed to a general Baptist. Uh, he was a pastor, he was an author, and he lived in and near London uh, in England. So uh, he was born February 29th, which is a leap day. Uh, so, I mean, even though he was, what, 64 when he died, he was really, uh, can I do quick math, uh, 16? Um, so, <laughs> uh, that's just a little bit of a joke for you, but uh, he was born to John and what I believe is pronounced Fedora Keach. Uh, they were actually an Anglican couple, uh, so has some Anglican roots. Uh, they resided in at the time in a, a town called Stoke Hammond, uh, North Buckinghamshire, which all of that was a really big mouthful. Uh, After being raised Anglican, he actually later became part of a group known as General Baptist uh, when he was 15. The General Baptists were Arminian in their theology. Uh, Really, they had emerged out of Puritanism uh, in the second decade of the 17th century. Uh, Within three years of his baptism as a believer, he was called to preach by a General Baptist congregation that met in Winslow which is actually not far from his hometown. Uh, So, again, raised Anglican, uh, I guess you could say maybe converted or transferred over to the general Baptist world, which was heavily Arminian, um, and did that very early. I mean, at the age of like 18, 19. Uh, But in his earlier life, he actually worked as a tailor, which is pretty cool. Uh, Again, he was baptized at 15, began preaching at 18, uh, and in 1668, he took on the pastorate of a church at Horse Lie Down, or Horsley Down, uh, depending on how you um, pronounce it. But that's in Southwark uh, in England, uh, where he really remained the rest of his life. Uh, this church later became New Park Street Church, where Charles Spurgeon ministered, which is really interesting. I noted that to Lucas earlier, but um, I'm sure all of our listeners have heard of Spurgeon if they haven't heard of Keach, but they pastored at the same exact church, which we both looked up, is still standing and surviving today. 
just to show a little bit of the legacy of this man and um, and others that followed him. Uh, but this uh, it, it was from this church actually. So uh, Keach was a signatory, so he was one of the people that actually signed the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith, which again, if you know anything about um, Reformed Baptists, this is actually where you, like, so let me backtrack a little bit. Uh, the, the difference sort of between general Baptists and um, particular Baptists can, can be delineated by um, being more Arminian in theology and being more Calvinistic in theology. So the general Baptists uh, tend to be on the Arminian side, particulars are more Calvinistic. And so it was later on in his 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 life that he uh, went to the side of the particular Baptist. So he left his general Baptist world and, and went to be more reformed, really enjoying the works of, of Calvin, um, even enjoying some of the works of, of Luther and, and others like them. Uh, but as I mentioned, the one of the biggest contributions that we can say he made was being one of the people who signed the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith, um, which is a, a Reformed Baptist confession. Um, uh, also, as I mentioned, his his name is given to Keech's catechism, uh, though it is actually th- thought to have been authored by a different pastor named William Collins, uh, but Keech really helped to popularize it. He used it a lot. He utilized it, changed a few things here and there. Um, so it's it's more attributed to him because he's more well known and and prominent. But um, in in his world, he he was a prominent nonconformist leader. Uh, he was also a prolific writer. He he really helped shape the theological development of particular Baptists. Um, so you have to remember that in England, um, which is where what we call the Church of England or Anglicanism, um, was the predominant church culture. And so for um, well, I think this is probably worth a whole episode in itself, just the ins and outs. And the only reason I'm interjecting is I literally just took a three-week class where yeah, I spent please. most of the time talking about this kind of stuff. Um, it, it, was the, it was the state church. Right. So, like you mentioned nonconformists a second ago. That was the label given to people who did not conform to the state church, which was, broadly speaking, illegal. Um because it so to say that like the reason the church of england was the dominant church at the time is because everybody born in england was a member of the church of england (laughs) because it was funded by the state it was a part of the state or i shouldn't say that it was established it was an it was an establishment church which is the way most european churches worked and many still do it still is an establishment church um for people from the united states we're just not culturally that's just a very different approach to church state relations than we're used to but um that's kind of very very important for discussing these kinds of developments um the development of um different nonconformist groups which include people like baptists of all stripes uh, quakers um different you know some puritans that kind of thing um it's a very complicated history and it might actually be worth a, do- oh, a yeah, dive sure. through an episode mm-hmm. but um not to digress from from Keech's life so much as just to to kind of put into perspective sort of what it means to say you know, he was a Baptist in the 17th century in England, it it puts him in a very unique, well, 
not unique to the other Baptists, but unique from our perspective, maybe a little precarious at times uh, sort of position in terms of legally and culturally right. and socially. So it's a bit of an interesting, um, if, you, if you've never really like learned about this or read about this, like this, it's a very interesting time because of how different the, the, the way that religion played itself out in daily life was compared to how it is today in our own culture. Right. It, it's very interesting and difficult to sort of know what to do with everything, if that makes sense. Mm. Like, like it's hard to sort of map it onto our own values because it is just such, in so many ways, such a foreign world and culture um, when, we're, when we're talking about things like establishment churches and nonconformists and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's, it's very, it's very interesting, very interesting, but yeah. I don't mean to No, to that was, distract. that was really helpful. And, and it's, it's helpful to say that, the, yeah, these things don't happen in a vacuum. Nobody just exists and we apply labels to them and it doesn't mean anything. Um, there's context, there's, um, history, there's the, the, the goings on. And, and as you said, you know, if you were to say that somebody was a Baptist today, nobody would bat an eye. It'd be like, well, well, duh, we live in America. Isn't everybody like a Baptist? which I know is a generalization, but to say that somebody was a Baptist back then would have been a very different thing. And so, um, again, he, he, he was a nonconformist leader. Um, he was prolific in writing in, in that arena. Um, and when you compare against the backdrop of the Church of England, uh, the general Baptists, the particular Baptists, uh, both parties were, were persecuted, both were... Um, under the the watch of the government, and so uh, really, he Keach is instrumental in the development of particular Baptists, especially in England, um, as they struggled through persecution and as they finally emerged under legal toleration near the end of the century. Um, so even if I don't know, it's hard. It's hard to make. I don't know. It's hard to make um, statements like this. I guess, but. Maybe without Keach, we wouldn't, they, you know, the, the particular Baptists wouldn't be here today or they wouldn't be what they were today uh, just because how prominent and prolific he was. Uh, because Keach wrote 43 works. Uh, he wrote a lot in this area, um, I guess of which uh, his, his work ta- uh, titled Parables and Metaphors of Scripture may be the best known. I've, I've never read it, but it's one that comes up quite a bit in research here. Um, he actually uh, also wrote a work entitled The Child's Instructor, which apparently immediately brought him under persecution and he was fined and then put in stocks or what were similar to stocks. Um, so he his hands and his head, you know, through the wooden holes and uh, in the middle of town, sort of a spectacle to see. And this was in, in 1664. Um, he's, he's being fined and uh, arrested, basically. Um, it appears, though, that this, 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 this is what this work was. I'm, I'm going to tell you, this, this, uh, the child's instructor. It was a child's book with arithmetic, a list of words uh, of one, two, or three syllables. Um, like, it really, like, it was just a, a book trying to help people, help children learn and, and develop cognitively, it sounds like. Um, I read that actually we don't have any like surviving copies of this because when he was arrested, all of the copies were burned. Um, so the only reason we know about this is Keach apparently later in his life um, from memory rewrote it as best as he could. And so that's what survives to this day. Um, but basically it 
it had been read by the Anglican rector of Stoke Hammond, uh, Thomas Disney. I don't know if there's a relation um, to <laughs> Walt, but um, he reported it to the government authorities as not only unfit for children, but positively seditious. This, this, this writing to these children is seditious, um, which I just think is pretty funny. Um, one of the other notable arenas that Keech is, finds himself is actually uh, in the world of hymns. So he Keech is actually known for his introduction of hymns into the worship services of his congregation. Um, his church uh, was probably the first church in England to actually sing hymns as opposed to psalms and paraphrases. So where older churches would have just, again, be singing the Psalter, they would, they would have like a, a metered psalm book. Uh, he began, he introduced hymns into worship. Uh, Keech's hymn book, which was published in 1691, uh, actually provoked a pretty heated debate uh, in the 1692 assembly of the particular Baptists. Uh, th this decision actually eventually sparked a very public discourse on whether or not singing was appropriate in worship at all. Um, uh, and if so, what types of song God found acceptable? So this this sounds very strange to us. Again, it sounds foreign because, you know, we have Hillsong, we have, you know, Bethel and all those like really popular contemporary CCM artists out there. We also have hymns. We have other musics. Uh, that, that churches sing. But I have to imagine that most churches these days, especially in the States, do not sing the Psalms. They don't, or they don't have like metered um, Psalms. Uh, so it sounds strange to have conversations, like very heated public discourse about like what is appropriate and what is not appropriate to sing. Because personally, I've tried to have that conversation, especially around the song um, Reckless Love by Corey Asbury. I ha I've had conversations with people on, should we be singing a song called Reckless Love? Like, a, like you know, pretty pretty friendly, um, maybe sometimes heated debates. Uh, but that's really the extent in my experience. But like, we're talking about like wholesale. Should we even be singing any sort of songs that aren't in the Psalms? So it, uh, again, Keech was pretty instrumental in bringing this conversation up and helping it survive and last even till today. Um Really, many Baptist distinctives were developed and formulated during the 17th century, so during Keech's lifetime. Uh, even though Keech was not born a Baptist, uh, he did, as I've said, develop Baptistic convictions um, over his life. And, and I think we sometimes take these convictions for granted and, and fail to value them as we should. Uh, but really, Keech's life experiences, life experiences should serve to deepen our own convictions, especially those of us who are Baptists. Um, so when we think about um, uh, the doctrine of believer's baptism or a gathered congregation, liberty of conscience, um, you know, not having a church that's a part of the state, um, these are some of the Baptist distinctives that are, are different from Methodism, different from Anglicanism, different from the Church of England. Um, and so he, again, was really instrumental, really big in helping define and, and establish these doctrines. And so we as um, Baptists today, and I'm speaking for myself here, not me and Lucas, but um, those of us who do consider ourselves Baptists, we, we owe a huge debt of gratitude to Benjamin Keach and his contemporaries uh, for his ministry, for his contributions to the solidification of um, a lot of what he taught and uh, put out there among the churches that even survive today. Um, so I think it's, I think it's fair to say that um, Keech was convinced of the truthfulness of 
scripture, the truthfulness of the doctrines that he taught, and he was ready to suffer for these if God had ordained it to be so. I mean, he he withstood ridicule, mockery, being arrested, fined, put in stocks. Um, I don't know. That's that's it, it's. It's a different world when we think about these people. It, it seems so distant, but it, it is so related. Um, one really uh, anecdotal thing, not even really related, but I just thought it was kind of interesting. Um, among, among his um, eschatological convictions so, uh, surrounding the end times, Keech actually anticipated a major revival among the Jews at the end of this age, um, which I, I was trying to dig deeper into like what sort of view of the millennium Keech might have held. I, I want to say he would have been either a post or a mill um, because pre-mill, at least our modern iteration, really didn't exist. Um, so it is different and significant to see Keech anticipating a major revival amongst the Jews. Um, I know that's pretty popular in dispensational theology, but um, I thought that was at least kind of interesting to, to talk about for somebody in the 1600s and some of his views of eschatology. But that really, in a nutshell, is the, the life of, of Benjamin Keach. Sweet. Um, yeah, super interesting to... Some, just, yeah, so many things, like little 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 uh, quirks of different times and different people and different cultures. It's um, It's always fun, it's always interesting, and it's always edifying to spend time doing these sorts of studies, which is why we are, again, as we mentioned on Tuesday, super duper excited to be bringing Christians of History back, and we hope that you are too. Well, um, so real quick, for sh- oh, before, yeah, yeah. before we end, I think we meant to do this in the beginning, um, so if you've made it this far, I want to say thank you because we're, what we're about to say is really important. Uh, February yep, yep. is a huge month for us. We're about to hit our 100th episode. We will also have our one-year anniversary as a podcast, so um, we have some special stuff going on. We've already reintroduced Christians of History now two episodes in, um, but we're also going to be doing a giveaway later this month, which we'll have an episode outlining what that's going to look like. Uh, we also, and this is this is the thing that I wanted to bring up, uh, we're going to be doing an Instagram Live. So we're going to live stream our um, one-year anniversary episode. So on Thursday, February 25th, uh, you're going to want to go onto Instagram and we're, we'll give you more details as the date comes closer. But we just wanted to let you know, make sure you go follow us on Instagram if you don't already, uh, because that's where we're going to be live streaming our episode. Uh, we'll have a time for you guys asking questions. Um, you can, you know, I don't know, we'll, we'll just have a good old time. We'll, we'll hang out with yeah. some of the people who, who listen on a regular basis. And then we'll also upload it just in case, you know, you live in another country, you're not able to be awake when we record it or you're just busy. Um, but it'll be pretty fun. It's something we've never done. We're both really excited about it. So that's all I wanted to say. Yep. Yep. February 25th, more details, TBD forthcoming, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, go ahead and begin marking your calendars for, uh, our special one year live stream, which is crazy to say. I never thought I would say that, but, (laughs) um, Uh, Anyway, thank you for tuning in today and listening to this episode of the Doxology Podcast. If you would like to connect with us, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Doxology Podcast. Make sure uh, if you're you're on Instagram and don't follow us to go ahead and follow us over there um, for that end of the month special live stream. 
You can also shoot us an email at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. We'd love uh, to hear your feedback, any questions you have, ideas for future episodes, especially future uh, Christians of History episodes, um, people that you might want to hear more about. Um, As always, uh, you can sign up for our newsletter if you'd like to get uh, non-spammy updates from us. Uh, Whatever it is, we'd love to hear from you. And until next time, we will see you.